Sexual Harassment versus Vaccine Pests by Alexandra Marshall. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. I think the thing most conservatives and other right-thinking people have against the modern union movement is the assumption its member unions make that all the teachers, nurses and other members they represent think exactly the same way. All hate conservative values, but all love every last Labor Green thought bubble and then go well beyond the scope of their responsibilities to campaign exclusively for leftist parties and politicians. Well, the Red Union Group has changed all that, and by eliminating all party politics and political donations, they can save teachers, nurses and transport professionals hundreds of dollars every year from existing union fees. To have better service with lower fees and a union without party politics, visit redunion.com.au. To save another $25 off your first instalment, use the coupon GOODSOURCE at the checkout. That's redunion.com.au and use the coupon GOODSOURCE to let them know we sent you and save another $25. Sexual harassment in the workforce is much less of a bother than vaccine pests. After all, it's pretty simple to solve a wayward hand or an unfortunate remark. The methods of reprisal open to women range from the cruel to the creative. Heck, some of the offers might even be a little bit of fun. The same cannot be true of the paranoid, triple-masked, face-shield, needle-wielding co-workers. This is not a rational sort of person. Australia's new breed of office worker walks directly into oncoming traffic to avoid someone on the footpath. They are protected from reality by several layers of hand sanitizer and pieces of cloth, which, by the admission of their Wuhan manufacturer, quote, don't protect from COVID, end quote. It's the thought that counts, right? Not when we're talking about the rights and lives of Australians. We are no longer trespassing in the territory of conspiracy. Businesses across Australia are ringing their predominantly young staff and telling them point blank to vaccinate or get lost. Hospitality and retail workers are the first against the wall. Gone are privacy protections for employees. Shredded are employment protections against employer demands. Mandatory vaccinations are not legal throughout most of the Australian workforce, but they have been temporarily made legal by state-issued health orders backed up by Fair Work's four-tier system and courts that have no interest in the law. Considering these measures are only valid, and probably not even then, while the state of emergency continues, what will happen to the thousands of people sacked over a temporary regulation? These are people who signed contracts with their employer, whose employment terms are bound by laws which the employer is breaking by firing them. The question of coercion and threat in relation to medical treatment and how that relates to international human rights treaties had not been raised before the order was rolled out. It is clear that state premiers are hoping most of the population will be so frightened and emotionally traumatised by the prospect of losing their job and, by extension, their home, 
that they'll give in and take the vaccination. The Prime Minister is already bragging about Australia's vaccination rates exceeding global averages while leaving out the tiny fact that it was achieved by placing millions under indefinite house arrest. This is not an acceptable way for politicians to behave. Rights are meant to be exactly that, rights. A great deal of time and effort went into the creation of legislation designed to protect the workforce from exactly this sort of scenario. Its detail has been argued about and fine-tuned for over a hundred years, only to be swept away in a matter of weeks. Not only have the state premiers been aided by the allegedly independent regulator Fair Work, they are supported by the union movement who are all too happy to prop up Labor state premiers for the sake of politics. The reality is there are no protections for workers, no assurances in the law, no safety in our constitution, and certainly no morality to be found in a single political leader. Premiers have become obsessed with numbers on spreadsheets, determined to find a way out of the political trap that they set for themselves when they foolishly decided to take responsibility for the pandemic. We have seen Labor and Liberal unite under the banner of tyranny in a pact of mutual protection. The worst example of this has to be the Prime Minister's shocking betrayal of Australia's legal system. Last week, Scott Morrison set about introducing a bill to Parliament to protect the secrets of National Cabinet against the ruling of the Federal Court. Knowing that he had no chance of challenging the ruling, Scott Morrison's first instinct was to change the law rather than obey it. While we are all forced to comply with medical mandates, politicians do whatever they like. This bill, which was introduced by Alan Tudge on the Prime Minister's behalf, will be supported by both Labor and Liberal. Australia's major parties are desperate to shield their state premiers and cherished chief health officers from public view. Not only will this prevent any freedom of information requests, it will bury the contents of National Cabinet so deep they'll need to dredge up Sam Dastiari to find it. Which begs the obvious question, what are they hiding? We have rarely seen Scott Morrison fight for anything as passionately as he's tried to keep the veil over National Cabinet. Considering that the decisions of National Cabinet have led to the worst violation of human, civil and constitutional rights in Australia's history, the public deserve to know what's being said, or at the very least, hear the medical advice upon which their lives have been ruined. The same premiers desperate to keep their privacy have passed medical mandates which thoroughly violate the privacy of citizens. Not only are our medical records fodder for shopkeepers and employers, Australians are stalked by a government app everywhere they go. These kind of intrusions would have required a court-issued warrant two years ago, and now we have politicians speaking as if this is the new normal we simply have to accept. We don't. This government has obsessed about keeping women safe in the workforce as part of its frantic hashtag MeToo politics. Well, Scott Morrison, as a woman in the workforce, I feel unsafe. Your instructions to the state premiers, which they have dutifully carried out, has left employees violated, betrayed, bullied, and faced with the impossible choice of submit to permanent medical interference or live on the streets. I can tell you right now that no amount of sexual harassment has ever placed workers in as much danger as politicians have done in the last 19 months. Premiers have turned employers into predators and forever broken the bond of trust within the workforce. Officers lay divided into classes, with the vaccinated actively stewing with hatred toward those who do not wish to submit to an ongoing experiment. This situation is intolerable. It cannot be allowed to blow over after everyone has complied by force. To do so would be to excuse the inexcusable. 
This generation likes to brag that they've learned from history. But what did they learn? Medical tyranny and fear-mongering has been done before. I suggest those in favour look up who the last perpetrators were so that they understand what kind of ideological bed they're sharing. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynic, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.